You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. All right, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read uh, through verse 21 in just a moment. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, If we're not careful... It's uh, pretty easy to see the Old Testament as a bunch of random ancient stories of some great old people, right? These are godly people. Uh, we drew pictures of them in Sunday school. Um, uh, we, you know, Noah's Ark, Jonah and the well, you know, David and Goliath. And, uh, and because of that, because we sometimes see the Old Testament as a little dis- disjointed, um, we see the Old Testament as just that, old, disconnected, uh, random. And then the New Testament is obviously, that's the important part. You know, that's the part about Jesus. And, you know, it's kind of a plot twist where God suddenly shows up in human form and, and fixes everything. And so in general, if we don't know the Bible uh, and we haven't studied the Bible, that's kind of in general how we see it. But I want to tell you something, long before... Uh, God burst on the scene uh, in the manger in Matthew as baby Jesus. Long before that, we had already been introduced to him in the Old Testament in physical form in these glorious appearances called theophanies and Christophanies. Now, those are just big fancy theological words, but they do have meaning. Theophany is part of two words, theo meaning God, and the last part is a Greek verb meaning to appear. So, a theophany is an appearance of God, and a Christophany is an appearance of Christ, particularly in the Old Testament. But wait a minute, preacher. I read once in John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Right? You're right. God is beyond. He isn't made of physical matter because God's not made. Right? He's always been. Uh, That's why God commanded his people in Exodus 20 verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything. And this is important to understand because all created things are obviously uh, finite, meaning they have a beginning. Um, Most of us have heard uh, the phrase cause and effect. Well, God is the first cause. He is uncreated. He is infinite. The Bible says he has no beginning. Psalm uh, 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. One scholar said, He cannot be measured. He is not spatial. And he has no true location, meaning like all of him is in one place. All right? And now this doesn't mean that he's not present with us. But if he's beyond time, if he's beyond matter, if he's beyond space, then how can he appear, right? How can God in spirit before the New Testament come down to meet with man? Well, just because uh, he is not bound to physical appearance doesn't mean he can't appear in physical form. As scholars have noted, there are times in the Bible when God appears in a physical body in order to be seen by men 
in a form which they could perceive without danger to themselves. And I say without danger because you remember Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, God says, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. Not all of him. He can't reveal all his glory to you. All right. But at certain times, God chose to reveal himself in human form. These occurrences are called theophanies and Christophanies, the Lord coming down. And what they do is they foreshadow the ultimate incarnation of Jesus Christ. Uh, as Philippians 2 verse 7 says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Okay, well, why am I sharing all this? Because I'm setting up what is our new uh, series that we're entering into. Uh, and in this, these phrases, in these passages throughout Scripture of these theophanies and Christophanies, there's a common phrase. It's not in every one of them, but it represents the theme of this series. And it's the phrase, the Lord came down. We need the Lord <laughs> to come down in the midst of our culture right now more than ever. And I'm not trying to predict uh, when he's coming back. I'm not a cult leader telling you all the time and the day, but I can do this. I can read the unshakable truths of God's word and I can say what it says in 2 Peter 3 verse 1 where he says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all these things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. I mean, look at the wickedness. Look at your foolish faith. You know, look at your own sinful heart. Stop trusting in God. He's not coming back. It's just annihilation. We just die and that's the end. You and your, your little Jesus. I guess everybody needs something to lean on. And that's what the world says. Verse 5 goes on in, in, in Peter, 2 Peter, and it says, For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished, a.k.a. the flood. Verse 9, the Lord, but the Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God is waiting because he has more people to bring into the kingdom of God. Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening, here it is, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. Church, listen. We are living in 2 Peter 3 verse 4 where people say, where is the promise of his coming? Is he ever going to come back? And I can't think of any other encouraging way to convince believers that he's coming back than to look back 
at the places he's already come. Before he came to the cross, he had already physically appeared. And so that's why I want us to start in Genesis 3 today. So let's read this together. And I know this is a long intro, but it's literally half of my message is this intro. But let's read these, this passage. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and the, that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, uh, the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it. That's an addition by her, uh, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. First he questioned, then he full on lied. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, that's a half truth. They will know good and evil, but they will not be like God. So when the woman, verse 6, saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She uh, also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. He didn't bother to tell her we shouldn't do this. He didn't stop her. He didn't lead his family, did he? Verse 7, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God, here it is, walking in the garden. They heard him. So whatever physical appearance God had taken, you could hear him walking in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, well, the woman that you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you've done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity. And by the way, this verse 15, Genesis 3.15 is a crucial part of the entire Bible. This is called the Proto-Euangelion and and it stands for first gospel. He says, and between your offspring and your, uh, and her offspring, he shall bruise your head. That's a fatal blow to Satan. And you shall bruise his heel. That's a non-fatal blow to Christ on the cross. So uh, scholars believe. Verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And there's been marriage counseling ever since. (laughs) Verse 17, and this is the cause of it right here. A man wants to abuse the authority he has And woman wants to take the authority she doesn't have. That's it. Man abuses it and the woman wants it. Verse 17. Both are sinning, by the way. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. I want to ask Cade Wilkes, father of two, (laughs) if he would come. Uh, He's just a new daddy, got a girl and a boy now. Would you come and ask God's blessings on the message? Yes, sir. 
Thank you, Wint. Before we bless it, I'd like to say one quick thing. Uh, me and my wife, Aubrey, we just had our second. His name's Sonny. And um, we just want to say thank you so much to everybody who has prayed uh, the sweet text messages, the encouraging messages, and uh, the meals y'all brought us, supper. We just want to say thank you so much to everybody. It was really a big help, and uh, we hope to be able to return the favor any way we can. Just let us know. So let's go ahead and bless it. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your love. I pray you open our hearts and our ears this morning to hear your word and marinate in it, Lord. Let us understand this, give us a focus to hear the words you, you give went this morning. I pray we take it home, apply it to our lives, and even take it a step further, Lord. Go out into this world and share it. Amen. And share it not out of judgment or condemnation, but Lord, let us share it out of love, the, the same love you loved us with and are still loving us with. And thank you for everything and everything you'll continue to do in this church. In your prayer, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, over the past uh, five years that I've been here, I've, I've actually preached on this passage a couple of times. I'm sure y'all remember it. Um, uh, but I, the reason I do that is because the first three chapters of Genesis are like a harbinger. They're like a hinge that the rest of the Bible swings on. And, and to me, this passage holds uh, a dozen sermons in it that I may never get to preach. But part that I can get to today is this one thing, this one point, And this is the only point for today that I'm driving at. This is a different kind of sermon. I'm not going to give you three points. I'm going to give you this one. And it is Eden's Plenty. Most of the time when we say they had the world at their fingertips, we mean that metaphorically. We're talking about some couple that seemed to, you know, everything went right for them. They, nothing was out of reach for them. But we still mean it metaphorically, not the world wasn't at their fingertips. But when we talk about Adam and Eve, we mean literally the world was at their fingertips. Every pleasure of life was available. The presence of God fully known, every heightened sense of joy and peace was actually theirs. Just listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 1.11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, you know, trees, all, you know, all of its kind. You know, two, of, two weeks ago, in, uh, we were talking about Matthew 6 and how they were, uh, you know, the, God said, look at the birds and the birds of the, the sky and lilies, you know, how they bloom. And we, we mentioned that there are today an estimated as many as 430 billion birds uh, in existence. Of course, we don't know the number of flowers because there are too many, right? And Adam and Eve had every one of them. Their life was lived in a botanical garden, right? But Eden's plenty didn't stop there. Verse 16, he made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. I'll never forget, I was on Kentucky Lake with a buddy of mine named Jody, and we were on Kentucky Lake with, on vacation with his family. And then we were probably out in the middle of the night, and we were out on this boat dock, and it was pitch dark. And the, st the stars were shining like I'd never I'd probably seen before. It was just unbelievable. And it must have been, looking back, it had to have been a meteor shower or something because we counted over 30 or 40 shooting stars that night. And they were, in that moment, they were all mine. I saw them. 
I enjoyed them. I got to experience that so much so that of all the memories of my you know, childhood, though, that's one of those that stands out. You have those memories, those lightning strikes, those, those ocean views. And, and he, Adam and Eve had all of them. Verse 20, then he said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above it. And so God created all those creatures. Uh, verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their, to their kinds. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I scuba dive and I've been in different oceans around the world and it's just, you know, beautiful to see the things uh, at the depths of the ocean that the Lord has made. Just the, the, even the fallen world is so gorgeous and unbelievable. And we even now in your homes on your phones right now could pull up, un, you have unfettered access to like a high definition. You could watch a, a rare bird's egg hatching on film right now. Right, you could watch a a, a, pan, a rare panda bear being born uh, in another country. You could see blind crawfish in the bottom of a cave. You can you can uh, tune in and watch uh, you know videos of of creatures on the ocean's floor, five thousand you know two miles deep in the ocean, and we have access to all these things. And so, of all the animals that I've seen in my life, I still don't think I've seen half of them, half of the birds, half with all this access. Did you know that people spend as much as $1,500 a day to go on a safari, right? And to see what? The big five, you know, the, the rhino, the elephant, the giraffe, blah, 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 the, you know, whatever. The big, they call it the big five. But, they, you know, say it's a dozen animals. Did you know that the, the, the industry, the global safari tour, t- tourism market, is, uh, was valued at $33.37 billion in 2022? And it's expected to grow to over 51 million by 2030. To see what? A dozen animals. Did you know in the last 100 years, they estimate that 500 species of animals have gone extinct? Like your grandmother and your grandmother's, you know, I mean, since 1923, 500 species. And you're going to pay, you know, 33 billion to go see a dozen of them? And Adam and Eve had them all. Kids, let me tell you something. You're spoiled. Right? You're spoiled, your little iPhones and your iPads and your, and your, you know, your Xboxes and your Nintendo Switches and your whatever it is, you know, your four wheelers, your lavish vacations. You have twice or triple what your parents ever had. You're spoiled rotten, you know, uh, but you're not like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. God didn't bring them to a zoo. He brought the world's creation to them. The beauty of every living creature was theirs to behold. But Eden's plenty didn't stop there. Genesis chapter 2 verse 10, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It's the one that flowed uh, around the whole land of Havilah where there's gold and the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It's the one flowing around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third is Tigris. The fourth is Euphrates. Then uh, the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. There was work before the fall of man, but it was easy and good and enjoyable. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you, here it is, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For in that day that you eat it up, eat of it, you shall surely die. Rivers, gold, precious stones, but don't miss verse 16. 
you may surely eat of what? Every tree of the garden. Every tree except one. Now we know that the world has is, is fallen. We know the flood has happened. And, and we would believe that at least there's double the trees that were in the garden. You know, it's half the trees that were in the Garden of Eden that exist now. But did you know they estimate three trillion trees in the world right now? With all our logging and everything, all our advanced activity and cutting machines and clear cutting, three trillion one in three trillion. You know, God's so constricting. You know, all that church is up there is a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. God's just trying to choke us out with all his rules. Yeah. Friend, did you know that all the world's laws are grouped in under two main things? Love God and love people. Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your might. Jesus repeats this in Matthew 22, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with your, all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I was researching on a website this week about how much fruit does it take to feed one person. And this lady had a blog about it. She talked about uh, pear trees produce up to 300 pounds of fruit a year, uh, which you need two, two fruit trees to feed a family of six. All right, a pear trees. An uh, apple tree produces 400 to 800 pounds. And, and the, 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 our family, their family of six, she was talking about, that we average eating 520 pounds of apples a year. Wow. One tree. One family of six. Blueberries, three plants. Cantaloupe, honeydew, one to two plants. Peaches and nectarines produce 135 to 270 pounds. You need about 200 pounds for their family. Y'all get the picture here? I could just go on down the list. One apple tree for six people? You got a trillion trees. Probably three trillion back then. Who knows? And God said, one. That was the setting for man's sin. The setting was plenty. Same setting we have today. <laughs> you know, can we just take note, not just sing about it, but take note of the riches and abundant excess and access of God. Can we just confess each and every one of us, no matter how rough our lives were growing up, whether we grew up in a bad and abusive family or a good family or no family, whether we have gone through sufferings and, and ailments like no one else, can we just still confess that we have been so abundantly and overwhelmingly loved and spoiled by God that it's almost embarrassing? It's embarrassing. Did you know I'm 50 years old and when I go home to Sherry Fox's house, my mother, she still cuts my pancakes to this day. And you know what? That would be embarrassing. Unless I knew just how much my mother loves to do that. She loves to serve her children. And she's a sinful, fleshly woman in need of Jesus. How much more so your heavenly father? How much more does he care for you? You think he does more than cut your pancakes? 
He's given you everything. The world is yours, every breath you breathe. And it's not embarrassing to receive it because he wants so much. If you could see the delight, especially those in here who've not given their hearts to Christ, you who are just holdouts, you stubbornly clinch that last part of your life and you won't let him have it. God made plenty for you and me. We have no good excuse to refuse him, to doubt him, to scorn him with our selfish, bratty, greedy, suspicious behavior. This is the setting. This is the backdrop of all sin. Eden's plenty. And listen to this. This is something I hadn't noticed before when I was studying this week. It's quite ironic. Not only did they try to cover themselves <laughs> with what? With fig leaves. So the very gifts, the very creation God created for them to enjoy, they're trying to hide. hide. And then listen to this. Verse 8, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Where? Where did they hide? Among the trees of the garden. They were literally hiding in the plenty. Sound familiar? We're still doing it, church. We're still hiding in the plenty. All these blessings God gave us become our excuses not to serve him. <laughs> they take and they take and they take our time and they steal it and rob it from God. And he's the one that gave it to us. After the fall, in the midst of this spoiled environment, in the midst of three trillion plus trees, in the middle of such excess and pleasure, God was sacrificing those animals to atone for our sin, at least Adam and Eve's temporarily, foreshadowing Christ who was to come so that we could be with him and continue to be spoiled with his love and blessings. And why am I sharing all this with you? Because of this one thing. If the Lord could come down and walk in the garden with Adam and Eve after the fall, right after the fall, with a plan in mind to make atonement for their sin, do you think he could still show up and forgive you? In the midst of the most spoiled kid ever, <laughs> Adam, didn't get any better than that. He didn't go to a petting zoo. He, was, he lived in a petting zoo. He didn't go to a zoo to see the animals. God paraded the animals right past him and even let him get involved in naming them. By the way, God's always wanted us to be involved in his work. He didn't need us to be. He enjoys us to be because he knows it delights our soul to do it. If the Lord came down for them, he can still come down for us. Amen. We're going to enter into our time of the Lord's Supper. And I want to read 1 Corinthians to you. Chapter 11, verse 23. Please pay attention to these words. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup uh, in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Would you stand?
after I pray, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. If you've not been here before for that, at the, there's at least five uh, Lord's Supper tables throughout the sanctuary. You, if you're a born-again believer, uh, you're welcome to partake of it. I would just remind you to make sure you've got those sins confessed to the Lord. You can pray in your heart right now for God to uh, expose anything that you may not know of uh, and confess those to him before you take of the Lord's Supper today. But you'll want to take two cups. Uh, for those that are new, we stack our cups on top of each other. The bottom cup has the bread. The top cup has the wine. So make sure you grab two cups, return to your seat, and then you're free to take the Lord's Supper at, at will. Uh, you may want to pray first. You may want to explain things to your kids or whatever. And, and then after that, I'll invite you all to stand back up for our time of response uh, for people who may want to join the church or people who want to come and publicly profess Christ. All right? Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would uh, bless this bread and this wine representative of your body that was broken for us, that was lashed for us, your blood that was spilled for us as the final, praise God, final sacrifice once and for all. No more, sh no more animal skins in the Garden of Eden. No more uh, uh, pilgrimages to, to the temple to offer sacrifices. You've done it. It's done. It's finished. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to remember the joy and the freedom we have in Christ as we take these elements today. I pray that if after that, in time, our, our time of response, if there are people who may need to uh, confess uh, to uh, your name as Lord and Savior of their lives, that they would put their faith in you and repent of their sin and come forward and make that public. And if there are others who want to join this church to, to sign up to serve, maybe they don't know where they're going to serve yet, and, and we're not going to tell them, but Lord, we believe you can lead them here and lead them to serve in some tangible way through our local church family. We pray that you would move now in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.